0: Hello and welcome to Toasted Fiction Theatre, episode 3. Episode 3 is called Him and was written by Amy Claire Shearer. It was performed by Karen Barkey and Colleen Garrett at the Beacon Arts Centre on the 31st of March, 2016. Enjoy.
1: I remember when I was a little girl, probably no bigger than the third handle on the battered tall boy that sat in the bedroom. And my grandmother used to pick me up and sit me on her knee. She'd say to me, Jeannie, you know I love you, but looking at you, I think you'll need a man in your life when you're older, darling. It's really funny looking back now. I simply can't help but laugh. Her words were so contradictory. They'd have definitely caused a stir amongst her acquaintances with whom she sipped tea. I used to love when she told me the stories of them sitting on a Sunday afternoon, cup of tea in hand, discussing their devilish ploys to cause havoc. It's funny, really, that my grandmother, whose eyes lit up like Edinburgh's sky on the 1st of January when she heard that Asquith had resigned, and who marched alongside the infamous Emily Davidson, should tell me to keep a man at the centre of my life. Really, truly, a case of the pot calling the kettle black. She never gave me much advice during her life. You can't really count suggesting ways to set fire to golf greens effective moral lessons, but that one request she made, albeit quite out of character, I embraced. I loved her. She was the glowing light of my childhood I always loved to show her off to those in school. Funny, really, how her name appearing in the daily newspaper for upsetting the peace was something that I secretly admired. Nothing stood in her way. If she wanted something, she got it. When she passed away, I strongly believed that I would never recover. For me, it was the end of a cake-filled, domino-playing, barley-sugar-eating era. You see, my grandmother was special. Her presence illuminated any room, and her perfume arrived before she did. I used to think she was magic. She'd always have a gift for me, whether it be sweeties, new pencils or hair clips. I pondered as to whether she too had a Mary Poppins-like bag anything I needed she seemed to have in her possession. She was the person who took my side when my mother didn't. She taught me that bandages can be used for cuts and curlers, and she provided me with immeasurable amounts of love and affection. She spent so much time helping me become who I am today. I just had to do one last thing to make her proud. I made it my goal almost my mission to make her advice come alive. So I brought a man into my life. It was halfway through university that I found him. I was studying to be a nurse. It felt right for me to attend to the needs of others. When I was a little girl, I took very ill, so ill that my family didn't think I would make it. Yes, the doctors were the ones giving out the medicine and providing the diagnoses, but the nurses were the people I could call on when I needed them. Ever since I watched those amazing women, the selfless, gentle souls doing such wonderful work, I knew that was who I wanted to be. Society was only starting to abolish the stereotypical outlook on women. Most people, well, most men were finally convinced that I should be wearing a stethoscope around my neck and not just an apron. It took a lot for the world to get there. Every day was a battle, and every day you had to fight a little harder. I wasn't too sure I could do it at first. He convinced me to stay, reminded me of all the possibilities of the job and and the things I could do. He made me want to become an umbrella for those less fortunate, so I could shield them all from the negatives that rained upon them. I had been spending much more time with him those few months after my grandmother passed. His presence in my life comforted me. His reassurance that I could do anything I put my mind to injected a newfound happiness into my heart. It was the autumn of 1952 that I graduated, But rather than work, I wanted to be with him. He had so much to teach me, and he provided me with so many more opportunities. He could turn his hand to anything and it would be healed. He had that effect on people. I used to sit there, talking to him, God, for hours on end. He was such a good listener. Sometimes I didn't even need to talk out loud. I debated for a long time before telling my mother. I really didn't know how to put it into words. I knew she would be livid. I couldn't face her disappointment. Mother, please. I know how you feel about him, but you've got to give him a chance. I know he isn't your cup of tea. He isn't a lot of people's. However, as a woman of your status, I would expect you to have some more respect for my wishes to have him in
2: my life. Darling, don't you turn this on me. Ever since your father passed away, it's been us two. We need each other. I need you. How can you go away and leave me? Anyway, you're only a child. You do not know how to behave properly, and I will not see you unmarried either.
1: It's always about you, Mother, isn't it? It's never about my happiness or what I want. I wanted the blue dress. You bought me the pink one. I wanted to spend my day last week going for a walk. You made me come to some lunch thing with your
2: cronies. I'm not like you. I never will be. Don't you dare talk to me like that, young lady. I'll have you know that lunch was very important to me. And you never suited Blue as a child. Your complexion simply didn't go.
1: I cannot do
2: this anymore. I can't see myself living here much longer.
1: I don't get to think for myself, speak for myself. It's even a struggle to look like myself. If you can't accept me for what I want to be and you refuse to have me in your life because he is in mine, then there is nothing
2: I can do anymore. What is he doing to you? Brainwashing you? All you want to do these days is help other people. The more time you spend talking to him, the more you decide you want to change who you are. It's acceptable to be selfish sometimes, Ella. Sometimes. You're selfish all the
1: time. You never see anyone as an equal. It's always all about you. Even Grandmother Do
2: not mention that woman. How do you think I felt time and time again being told that my mother was in prison? It wasn't a good life, Ella. You should know that it wasn't all banners and marches. There are nasty sides to it, too. You never see the bigger
1: picture. He's going to provide me a home. I'll always have a roof over my head. No matter what happens, I can rely on him. I definitely don't think I can say the same about you anymore. I've had enough. No matter how hard she tried to disguise how she felt, Her emotions, like little clouds, swept over her face and blocked out the warm glow. Quite frankly, I had to tell her, there were only so many more days I could sit up on the hill under the great sycamore that overlooked our village. Each day the leaves fell, one by one, gracefully landing on the ground, ready to be recycled by Mother Nature and given a new purpose sitting on a crisp blanket of burnt orange and yellow foliage marked a new beginning for me. To this day, I vividly remember my mother's reaction when I told her. The gasp that escaped from her like air from a balloon still echoes in my ears. I think she actually turned inside out. The colour of her face resembled that of her internals, or scarlet, puffy. There was something about him she didn't like. Something that made her quite uncomfortable. I think it was more that I had to make such a big commitment. Being with him was going to completely change my life. It was sad that she could not see past her own dark sky to gaze upon the hundreds of glistening stars that each held a sparkling opportunity for me. She didn't speak to me for years, sometimes I, I question if she was right. At 19 there were still adventures to be had, countries to travel, men to meet. My mother crucified me for my decision, but I survived. He stood by me in my time of sorrow. And honestly, I can now forgive her, all thanks to him. Despite all the stories that were scrapped at chapter one, my passion still managed to blossom. Besides, I knew that even though the pages of my new book were empty, he was going to provide me with many ways to make the novel of my life richer and fuller. He had so many things planned for me. I really didn't know how I would manage to fit them all into one lifetime. Nothing seemed impossible when he was around. I liked that. At the end of a tough day, when you had witnessed human cruelty at its prime, he'd be there, listening. He'd accept all the moans and rants and screaming about how unfair he was being. And even though he didn't answer properly, I had to have faith in him that he'd do something to make it better anything. He had always promised me a rich life. While I may not have had money, what I did have was love and compassion. (laughs) If I wanted to climb a hill, he would suggest a mountain. If I wanted to go swimming, he would suggest a deep-sea dive. He had faith in me, and I in him. Our perfect, harmonious balance allowed us to blossom and me to grow ever more attached. For the best part of 10 years, we settled in Africa. It was Such a sad sight, starvation, illness and poverty were demons which encapsulated these poor people and ground them down to the sand on which they went barefoot. I'm thankful that I went to university. The skills I learned there allowed me to help so many people, their families, generations to come. Mother Superior tells me I'm more like him than a lot of the sisters. She likens me to one of Matthew's verses. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I sacrificed a lot for him. But now, seeing how many people we've helped makes me rejoice.
0: Thank you for listening to episode 3 of Toasted Fiction Theatre. Episode 3 was called Him and was written by Amy Clare Shearer. It was performed by Karen Barkey and Colin Garrett and was recorded live at the Beacon Arts Centre on the 31st of March 2016. Uh, We've got a couple of live shows coming up at the Beacon Arts Centre on the 7th of July and the 28th of September. So if you want to book tickets and come along to see the podcast being recorded, you can do so at the Beacon Arts Centre's website. Um, For more information, you can head to toastfictiontheatre.wordpress.com where I'll be updating uh, the site with some information about the, the, the upcoming live shows uh, as and when I have them. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes and uh, we're also on SoundCloud. Uh, if you want to get in touch, contact uh, me at toastfiction@gmail.com. at gmail dot com um, and yeah just keep your, keep your Ears and eyes peeled for, for more for more from toast Fishing Theatre that's coming soon. Next month's episode is called Murder on the SS Dreamer by Jack Craig. It's a sci-fi murder mystery, um, which will which will be pretty cool. I also have another podcast called The Crying Beards uh, with Cal McMillan, uh, where we just sit down and we talk about being creatives and the creative things that we like. The first three episodes are now out, um, so you can follow us on Twitter, or uh facebook and again subscribe on itunes that's all from this episode of toasted fiction theater uh, if you want anything else toasted fiction head to the toasted fiction website www.toastfiction.com, um, where you'll find details of my book toasted fiction a collection of very short stories that nobody asked for which you can order on ibooks or www.toastfiction.bigcartel.com. thanks for listening until next month goodbye